0: Hello And welcome to Volume 3 of the September 1995 Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast Taking a look at ECW for the month Including the full super show of Gangsters Paradise And a full hardcore TV review Also do check out Volume 1 for all your WCW news Including the debut of Nitro, WWF in Part 2 And that's touching on In Your House 3 and Raw And also the special Volume 4 this month talking about the UFC and the world of MMA in general. But kicking off volume three, I'm here with Bob Bamber. Bob, hello. Good evening, Del. And Chris Lacey. Chris, how are we?
1: Not too bad, Del. Awesome to be back doing more EC Dub.
0: That's it, nice to have the band back together in ECW for that just over a one year anniversary of the christening of ECW. And without any more further ado, Bob, kick us off with the news please. One year anniversary
2: of the christening of ECW. What, what timeline it's, are we on there?
0: Well, we're just after that, it. September '95, and it was August '94, Bob.
2: Oh, it was the first show. Oh, the first special ECW bit we did. Yeah. Oh, there right you right go. Now. All right. See, maybe I
0: remember these these big landmarks in this podcast history, Bob. But well,
2: if you if you, if you, you, go if go you invent landmarks to remember, then you're more likely to. But anyway, I'm just happy
0: you've uh, fully understood the meaning of the word anniversary this time.
2: Well, there we go. Let's move on. Uh, Cactus Jack's monster year of cutting great promos went into overdrive this month with interviews on three separate editions of ECW Hardcore TV that could and should be considered the best in the United States at this time by some distance. The freshly healed Cactus Jack cut promos citing World War II, wrestling legends like Dynamite Kid and Harley Race before finally referencing a fan sign that said Kane Dewey in relation to Jack's son and Tommy Dreamer turning down WCW.
0: Uh, Moving on from Cactus and Tommy Dream, a bit of a shock this month, Steve Austin, who was recently released by WCW earlier this month, showed up on Gangsta's Paradise and also ECW Hardcore TV. That was on the September 26th edition in a promo um, parodying Hulk Hogan as the Steve-A-Maniac. Austin, who spent no expense putting together his... His Hogan outfit mocked Hogan before dumping off the bandana, ripping off the T-shirt and saying that he couldn't do this shit anymore. And elsewhere, to counteract last month's signings of Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero to WCW, Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis from Mexico's AAA, which listeners may remember from last year's When Worlds Collide pay-per-view, they debuted at the Gangsters Paradise live event, and another debut was the tag team of Saturn and Cronus, they're the eliminators, and they are managed by the returning Jason. There are rumours about the foreseeable future of Sabu.
2: Despite Sabu debuting on WCW Nitro this month, given that his contract only runs through until Halloween Havoc at the end of October, it is not a certainty where he'll go next. Sabu will be working for Dennis Kaluza at the end of October in New Jersey, and given that Kaluza is perceived to be running ECW's direct rival, it's thought that any chance of Sabu returning to ECW are unlikely.
0: And as of Gangster's Paradise, I also saw the reinstatement of on-screen Commissioner Todd Gordon. and It was a new tag team champion crowned, it was the Pit Bulls, but we will have a full rundown of the Super Show later in the podcast. And the Pit Bulls, they've already signed a rematch where they'll defend against the former champions Raven and Stevie Richards. That's going to be in a lumberjack match with special referees, plural, in Todd Gordon and Bill Alfonso. The lumberjacks for the match will be both 9 one and Big Dick Dudley.
2: It's the smaller news for the you for the month now. Ian Rotten has reportedly quit the promotion after being disappointed about his payoffs. Too Cold Scorpio, for now at least, will not be joining WCW. And, as we will cover in our live event review, Gangster Mustafa missed the Gangster's Paradise live event after being taken away by an inner police truck after causing a disturbance at the hotel. While there were no lasting charges, he didn't return in time to participate in the main event of the show.
0: So, just before we get to the, the live review of Gangsters Paradise, let's give you a quick run-through TV-wise before the before the show took place. Start on the, the ECW Hardcore TV from September 5th. We've seen a quick match with JT Smith and his new Dawn, Big Val Puccio. The two come out to Italian music and a chorus of booze. Hack Myers is his opponent. He launches JT over the top, onto the top of Big Val. The two of them have a little ta-da. And Hack ends up winning the match via count The two of them get back into the ring Hack gets in some quick offence But then is force-fed colonies We then see Paul e. dangerously He's hailing the class of Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko From last month And requests the fans boo and throw inanimate objects he's guessed at this time Bill Alfonso Fonzie comes out, shares some bad news with the crowd Todd Gordon has indeed been reinstated as commissioner, not only in Philadelphia but any ECW show. But there is some good news from Fonzie: the choke slam has been banned. Polly threatens to batter Fonzie with his cell phone, but Alfonso blasts him and Todd Gordon with the cell phone of his own. 911 comes out, tries to choke out Fonzie, can't hit the slam, but he does get a choke in before Big Dick Dudley comes out to make the save. We've got some quick fan cam footage from Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. We've got Mikey and Sandman. They're caning each other back and forth. New Jack actually stabbed Johnny Grunge with a broken beer bottle at a live event. And Mustafa beat Rocco Rock. we get Stevie Richards and Raven stealing a win in the Pitbulls. And then we've got a brilliant promo from Cactus Jack talking about his uncle Willie who fought in World War Two.
3: Well, I guess the last you left Cactus Jack, you described it as a catatonic state and certainly there's been a lot of questions for my actions and i understand because you never met uncle willie and at this point tommy dreamer i can sense you looking at my arm wondering what happened to cactus jack and yes there's been rumors circulating around and well tommy this is what happened to cactus jack this is what happened and this is the result but it's really not that big a deal because the doctors have assured me that on second degree burns there will be some discoloration for some time but really no permanent scarring which is more than I can say for my opponent Terry Funk who weasel his way out in an ambulance screaming and crying like a little baby with his third degree burns and the irony did not escape me that the man who stepped into the ECW arena with a branding iron and sizzled his name on my chest is the one who walked away with the permanent scars. And that one match signified to me that I was in Japan the king of the death match, which I guess in ECW would make me the king of the hardcores. Because my uncle Willie knew all about Japan. You see, Tommy Dreamer, you never met my uncle Willie. Neither did I, because he's been dead for fifty years. But I always felt like I knew him because there was a big picture of my uncle Willie at eighteen years old, ready to save the world, hanging up in the hallway of my home, and he should talk it. And every day I'd see my dad almost get down and genuflect in front of that picture. Almost like you used to do in front of my picture, Tommy Dreamer. Because Uncle Willie was a hero. You see, Uncle Willie was on the boat that brought the bomb over to Japan to save the day for the good guys. Now, what happened to that boat after it delivered the bomb is a well-known story. And although they never saw or found Uncle Willie's body, we've all got a pretty good idea of what happened. But we rest assured. that my Uncle Willie died a hero. That is until I made my way to Japan to Hiroshima and Saw generations later walking in the peace park, the pictures of people with flesh burning down their arms, the flesh hanging off their bones. Let's hear it for the bombing of innocent children USA, USA Let's hear it for the bombing of helpless women Willie, Willie You see, all my life I saw people whose idea of suffering Was to kick back on that last six-pack Until the next welfare check came in And they say we bombed those snip bastards They were human beings You sons of bitches And you killed them. So I went back to my dad and I said, Dad, I hope that Uncle Willie died a painful death. I hope they ate him good. I hope they swallowed his spine if he even had one. That baby killer. And for the first time since the infamous 1968 Parsonage Road, spanking my dad hit me and he said take a look at yourself son take a look at the scars take a look at the burns and take a look at the missing body parts and find out that the same thing that makes those Japanese wrestlers so tough is the same reason that we had to sacrifice 130,000 human lives Because they keep going, and going, and going. And the only way to save millions of more lives was by a show of force. And I said, Dad, by whose authority do you believe in the following words you just spoke? And he said, the government of the United States. The government of the United States... And I believed his words. And I looked at that dollar bill and saw that the father of our country was a slave-holding, wig-wearing, wooden-tooth-wearing bastard. And so it's very simple, Tommy Dreamer. If we can sacrifice 130,000 human lives... In the goal of a higher purpose Then really the DDT Of your head on the mat Is pretty damn insignificant news And if you can trust the government That mutilates babies Then I ought to get the benefit of the doubt Because I And Raven Have a higher purpose And that thought me
0: peace. Bye, bye. And on the September 12th edition of Hardcore TV, we've got Joey Styles building up the ECW debut at the Gangsters Paradise event coming up at the weekend of Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis. we get the Pit Bulls putting out the challenge to Stevie and Raven in a double dog collar match and they do advise if they lose the match, they will split up we get Tommy Dreamer taking on Dudley Dudley. Tommy hits a superplex after crotching Dudley for the win. Dreamer goes to the outside, brings in sign guy Dudley. Also blast him with a chair before DDT and I'm on it. Get a quick Taz promo, no fancy video, no hoopla. He's just a blue-collar guy and he wants to kick too cold Scorpio's ass. And talking to Scorpio, we've got the Steiners with Taz at ringside. Going up against Scorpio and a mystery partner, none other than the returning Chris Benoit. Now it's pretty hot for Rick and Scott. Scorpio wary, of ties on the outside, and the Steiners outpower Too Cold and Benoit. Benoit goes for the pin when Scorpio wants the cumbleweed. The two of them almost come to blows after a kind of miscommunication. Too Cold super kicks Rick, hits Benoit and gets suplexed as a receipt. The Steiners finally manage to bury Benoit with a DDT after some fight backs from the former Pegasus kid. We've got a final build up to Gangster's Paradise public enemy and gangsters promos Sandman and Mikey wrap it up and we do have yet another as Bob alluded to in the news it's an absolute 5 star classic promo from Cactus Jack talking about Tommy Dreamer is he ignorant, does he just not care and he gives a bit of a warning with regards to some of his hardcore icons
3: Tommy Dreamer, Tommy what is it with you is it ignorance or apathy and he said Cactus I don't know, I don't care bye bye When you are an ignorant person, Tommy Dreamer, you're a very ignorant little boy. Ignorant and selfish. And I don't know which one bothers me more. Because you stand there and you try to drape a banner over the name of Cactus Jack and say, here is the original hardcore wrestler. Only shows just how ignorant you really are. Because you're not even close. You're not even close. Does the name Ray Stevens mean anything to you? Well, it doesn't mean a lot to the general public because Ray Stevens was one of the original hardcore wrestlers. Tommy, you know where he is now? He's in need of a heart transplant because the years of boozing, partying, and red meat have clogged his arteries to the point where his body is barely functioning. But he can't get that transplant because he doesn't have the money. Harley Race has been a millionaire several times over, and his body lies broken, and his spirit lies battered. Why? Because he was a hardcore wrestler. How many of you have dialed up the dynamite kid and said, Kid, thanks for the dives out to the concrete floor. Sorry to hear that you don't have a pot to piss in, or a window to throw it out but thanks for the memories. You see, Tommy Dreamer, the problem with being hardcore is by the very nature of the name, we give of ourselves, of our bodies, of our hearts, and of our souls. And for each one of us who gives, there's bloodthirsty lowlife fans out there only willing to take how many of you shed a tear for Eddie Gilbert? And if you did, was it not just to feel sorry for yourselves that you'd never see Eddie showered in blood anymore? So Tommy Dreamer, the fact is this. Get off the trip and answer my phone calls. Raven has given you an out. Don't you understand? You've got the perfect excuse to just walk away. And Raven is allowing me... To do that to you, because I'll tell you something, Tommy. To do what I did for you in that ECW arena, and DDT you on the floor, just proves to me how much love I really have in my heart. Because you gotta love people an awful lot to be willing to do what I did for you. So, Tommy, I don't mean to yell. I don't mean to get upset, because I like you. And I only want the best for you. And that's why I'm saying don't make me take this on a public forum. Forget all those losers! Answer my call. Because he who lives and runs away returns to fight
0: another day. So, weeks one and two for Hardcore TV are now in the car. We now going to the live super show. It's Gangsta's Paradise. Bob, if you could please fire us off the results.
2: Bull Payne defeated the Broad Street Bully by Pinfall. The Dudley Brothers, Dancers with Dudley and Dudley Dudley, with Big Dick Dudley, Chubby Dudley and Sign Guy Dudley, defeated Chad Austin and Donnie Allen by Pinfall. Hack Myers, Hack Myers defeated JT Smith by Countout. The Eliminators, John Cronus and Perry Saturn, with Jason, and Jason, sorry, defeated the Steiner Brothers, Rick and Scott and Taz, by Pinfall. The Pitbulls, Pitbull One and Two, defeated Raven and Stevie Richards with Bruno McGillicuddy by a pinfall to win the ECW World Tag Team Championships in a two out of three falls double dog collar match with interference from well just about everybody. Uh, Ray Mysterio Jr. defeated Psychosis, and in the main event, Mikey Whitrack and the Public Enemy, with Johnny Grunge and Rocker Rock, defeated Two Cold Scorpio, New Jack replacing uh, uh, Mustafa and the Sandman with Woman by a pinfall uh, in a six-man tag team cage match
0: thank you very much Bob it's nice to have you two guys as I said earlier on back on board for ECW first you've really seen and recorded in the last last couple of months Bob what did you, what did you make of the show overall just coming into it would you been would you think it's kind of noticeably different how do you feel it went oh, I'm not
2: sure there's anything noticeably different I mean you know they they, they, they they filled in the wrestling spot, um, which it, I think is credit to, to Paul Heyman and his contact list, that in in losing Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, they were able to, I don't know what notice, but they were able to get in Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis yep. from... Uh, uh, from Mexico, but they, they filled in that gap in the middle very nicely. Um, and yeah, it, it was nice to get back to the craziness of ECW. You know, the, the, <laughs> the, the undercard, it was not much to speak of. It was one of the l- l- more insignificant Steiner Brothers matches I think we're going to see. Um, but those final three matches, I mean, all offered kind of completely different things, but were, were all equally as significant and chaotic in their own way.
0: Totally agree. Chris Lacey, thoughts on this?
1: It was a show of two halves. The first yep. half pretty much you could miss. you're not gonna miss a lot by, by not seeing it. But that as Bob was saying, those last three matches, you know, the pit bulls and the Stevie and Raven, Ray and Psychosis, and the six man cage match at the main event were ECW in its finest. You had good wrestling, you had Crazy violence and you had weaponry.
0: Everything we I we from can...
1: an ECW show.
0: Exactly. I don't think we could sum up better and I don't think there's gonna be any spot prizes for kinda of working at the ratio that we're gonna do with this show and reviewing it from first half to second half. But nonetheless we'll fire away. It's gonna be the Broad Street bully, Hitman Tony Stetson going off against Bill Payne. Payne takes charge earlier on, Hitman manages to fight back, couple of chair shots, to get side for a I kind can of abroad on that side, some of the fans with chairs shots. We got an attempted back suplex to the Billy on the ring announcer's table, but the the legs of the table give out. We got a DDT to the half-folded table and then back into the ring. We got a nice dig for Joey Styles telling fans to try and kind of keep account of the broken tables and maybe try and compare it to scurry finishes in WCW for the month. We then get Paul Payne, and um, Bill Payne goes back over to, to Tony Stetson. He's armed himself with a chair. The bully gets sat down on the chair, and Payne hits him with a running tackle into the guardrail. The bully attempts a low blow back in the ring, but Payne rakes the eyes before Drayton hit man back outside over the guardrail. Back in the ring, we get Tony Stetson blasting Bill Payne in the head twice with a soda can. A low blow. Pain manages to get a superplex which kind of quietens down to an extent the youth both suck chance with the crowd but they sense the end is nigh we get a very nice downward face buster for Bull Pain, and that's on the bully as he drapes from the top rope for the win, pretty pretty slow start Chris, I don't know about yourself I never really thought much of this, Would be you? It
1: wasn't Great. Uh, the the one highlight was, as you said, Joey Styles mentioning <laughs> if he if we would have more broken tables or screwy finishes from a WCW paper
0: And also, I need to shout out to Jim Ross as well.
1: Yeah, but it was just one of those of, it, it, I can have the it Rotten's back, please. That'd have been more interesting than this.
2: Well, well no, you can't. One of them's left. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> well, Bob, when
0: did you make it?
2: Yeah, um not much to add really. Um opening match fodder, um you know, it was a difficult match to get into when the crowd just really didn't give a shit. Um, mm. you know, chanting bullshit and you both suck. Um there was a nice little spot on the outside where one of them sets for a pile drive and then turns it into kind of a crotch onto the guardrail, which I thought was quite yeah. nice. Um, but other than that, the less said about this match the better really. Not to say it was Very awful, much. just that it was completely insignificant.
0: Especially when we were coming on it later on, so without any more further ado, we'll go back on to the next match. It's going to be bad Chad Austin and Donnie Allen, and as Bob said earlier on, they're going up against DW Dudley, Dances with Dudley, and Dudley Dudley with Chubby and Big Dick on the outside. Chad and Donnie play rock, paper, scissors for who starts off the the match. There's then a clothesline trade-off with DW. He gets Chad down before doing his war dance a la Tonka. Dudley then says he's the only real Dudley in the clan as both his mum and his dad were both called Dudley. You can make it that way, you will. Um, near fall for Dudley who tags in DW. Donnie gets in as the same guy. Dudley cheers him on. Dudley takes Chad in the outside where a chair. DW gets a, a count in the two-count inside the ring. Bad Chad's night doesn't get any easier. His big dick pummels him on the outside with his wood. Ie truck. Stares at the lights for a three count. Another, another debatable contest, Bob. I mean, I think there's, I think there's a run in this Dudley gimmick, but the match itself, I think, especially Chad and Chad and Donnie Allen these days, I think they do feel very kind of '93 Eastern Championship Wrestling. Obviously, ECW has moved on. I don't know what you think.
2: Yeah, um, uh, you've also got the other side where they just seem to, uh, you know, five Dudley members. It- it's a lot to take in, or well, they haven't really kind of developed any of those characters. Um, and yeah, uh, another match where I didn't have a lot written down for it wasn't. Yeah, it was a kind of quite a hard match to pay attention to. You've got kind of Chad Austin and Donnie Allen, two guys you don't particularly care much about. Um, and then this new kind of group of guys who you don't really know a lot about. Um, and yeah, it combined to be a very, very forgettable match.
0: Cressy too. I just thought it was pretty lackluster with it yourself. It makes free.
1: Um, match was pretty much nothing, but I am quite intrigued by the concept of the Dudleys, you know, mm. the patriot of the family. Big Dick Dud, or Big Daddy Dudley going around, <laughs> putting it everywhere, and.
0: He's a lad, isn't he?
1: That anyone can come into this group, put a pair of dungarees glasses and some tie dye on them, and they've got instant story for someone new coming in. Whether it's got long term lace can go for a while, who knows, but as a concept at this point, I quite like it.
0: Yep, yeah, I, I totally agree. As I said in the, the review itself, I do think Chad and. Chad and Donnie Allen are maybe getting a bit left behind in this kind of 95 Extreme Championship Wrestling. But as the two of you guys say, I think the Dudleys is definitely going to get intrigue, if nothing else. And God help us if we ever meet Big Daddy Dudley, whoever, whoever that poor soul may be. But moving on, we've got JT Smith. Going up against Hack Myers in the third match. Start really noticing at this point on the on the live tape that the cameras are really getting a bit smarter with some quick edits in the, the middle of the matches really helps play up the, the crowd involvement in this match and from here on it just got that bit better for a show. Um, we've got the usual shine and shit chants going on as usual. We also got a bit of wrestling at the start with hack locking in a headlock into a hammer lock. JT reverses, Hack gets a drop toe hold and then JD gets a, a side headlock. The fans get on top of JT and he's ongoing bad luck gimmick as he misses another over the top drive to the concrete. We then get a quick cut up to the bleachers. Smith setting up a pile driver but Hack reverses into a back body drop down the stairs. Hack gets in some offence for some loud uh, sha-chants. We've got another cut to JC. He's on the second turnbuckle, but when the fans get on top of him again, the former fan favourite takes a tumble to the outside of his own volition, collapsing through the table. We then get a very strange end to the the match. We ring around Sir Bob Ortiz, who calls it out for a disqualification, but obviously with JT Smith just falling through that table, can't answer the f 10 count, and Hack gets the win. Chris, best match so far, I'd say, easily. For me, we get the, the JT Smith gimmicks pretty good with the bad luck. The fans were in there at hacks over as usual for it. was pretty decent. You saying it was the best match so
1: far is one thing. There was, but that it still wasn't great. Well, true. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the Shah. And, uh, JT Smith, I, I think maybe it's, I've not seen him for the last few months and watched it, that I, I don't care for him. You know, it's it's one of those matches where it's two guys that really have no sort of interest in, that haven't hooked me in the match. Bob.
2: Yeah, um you're right in saying it was the best match of the three, but that, that, that says very little. um I kind of like what what JT Smith's doing at the moment in terms of you know not. Not hiding, you're not kind of shying away from those shit shouts. that I think if you're if you're him, I'm not really sure you've got a choice. Um, there's a great moment in the match. I, I... I don't know whether it was deliberate or not, but he goes to stand on the second rope and then slips off. Um, <laughs> right. At the kind of the, the, crescendo of the shit chance. And it looked really believable. Um, and then there's the bit later on with the kind of the tumble from the top rope to the table. That looked a bit ugly and, and not mm. in a good way. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're pairing these two guys off in the sense that they're both there. And, and I think these two are, are probably more valuable as opponents as they are as opponents for other people. Um, but that's really where the praise ends
0: pretty much I mean, we don't really see a lot of the the kind of enhancement matches these days. We've obviously got the the ongoing story in WCW and we, if it's the WWF with Barry Horowitz, Bob. You're kind of more in touch with that these days. Um, kind of getting the the kind of enhancement talent when you get two of them in the ring and up against each other. it's it's maybe not as maybe not as good as you would expect. But we've got the we get time now for the first half main event of the evening. It's going to be the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. They're teaming up with Taz and they're going up against Jason and the Eliminators. We get two cold Scorpio coming out at the start, Tag teaming with the Eliminators, but Jason very confident when the when the Eliminators have got the advantage that they won't need too cold. But Taz gets sent to the match afterwards, not to be outdone. Scorpio cheap shots him in the back of the neck as the bell rings and as the quick skirmish gets over. The Steiners take out the eliminators. We get Cronus power slamming Rick. A lovely standing 270 seed sent on on onto, onto Rick Steiner. But Rick gets back up. Steiner lines both Saturn and Cronus. Scott tags in. Taz Larry, it's Jason on the outside, but pulls his neck a little bit and kinda of looks a bit uncomfortable during the the rest of the match, gets back up onto the apron, noticeably struggling. A belly to belly in the ring from Scott to Saturn. There's then a top rope belly to belly by Rick to Saturn. But Jason breaks up the, the fall at two. Taz gets in, beats on Jason, leaving the, the world's sexiest man's face almost imperfect, but a uh, a fly kick to the back of the neck, lays out Taz and Scorpio comes in, kicks Taz, rolls Jason over him, and Jason, shockingly enough, gets the pinfall on Taz, and the Steiners, and the Eliminators brawl, on the outside, Bob, what do you make of this one? Um, for,
2: for, for a long match, I didn't take that many notes, I, I thought the, you know, the action was good, um, the, the Steiners are, uh, a, a significant enough where you can put them in this kind of match and uh, and they can kind of cover from the fact that you know the eliminators are are involved um but yeah i i, I thought there was, there was a lovely kind of somersault leg drop from Cronus in the middle which is very nice um as for the ending i mean in terms of i like what they were doing you know i mean i I've, I've never been a massive fan of the whole you know let's pick on a wrestler that's injured because I've always thought well if the wrestler's got an injury probably shouldn't be in the mm. match. Believe in Um him, yeah. yeah. And so I've never been a massive believer in, you know, trying to end the match like that and given that it it, it, it the idea perhaps wasn't terrible, but the execution in terms of the kick itself wasn't great. Um yeah, that probably we can get a little bit. But not not too bad. Um but probably a bit too long.
0: And I think you're quite right. The it was actually my to the you kind of know longest match of the night. I think we were talking about twenty minutes in this one and as you see for what for what actually happened in it. Not a lot. Chris, would you make it? All the suplexes. <laughs> you know. It, it's one of those, my
1: little sort of pleasure is watching the Steiners throw people around. And the Eliminators look like they quite like to throw people around too.
0: I think they might have met <laughs> their match with them too, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then chuck Taz into it. Five loads of suplexes. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this. Um, the finish was a bit shitty, but
0: you know, as as a match and seeing people getting lobbed about, I'm up for that. It's true. I mean, it's it's a two you guys see. I mean, this full the full story with Taz. It's kind of hit and miss. Where it's like, well, if you want to think about this, I mean, especially when we're talking about this month coming on, especially volume four and getting into the world of the UFC and MMA. If we do want to kind of suspend a disbelief in this and kind of add in that competitive element, if you were in a fight and you knew somebody had a dodgy wheel. Or, Taz, with you neck, you would take advantage of it. I mean, you've got that side of it, but then at the same time, as you said, Bob, with the delivery of that kick for Scorpio onto Taz, when there is a bit of legitimacy in the injury, you do kind of run that risk of it looking not entirely believable when it's, when there is an element, but you've got to kind of protect the, the guy that's in there. So I mean, I think it's, it's kind of hit and miss is probably the fairest, the fairest way we can sum it up. So moving on to the almost the second half of the show, we think it's a tag team title match, and at least on paper, it's going to be Raven and Stevie Richards with Beulah McGillicutty going up against the Pitbulls in their double dog collar match. But as we said, Raven comes out at the start with Beulah, but there's no sign of Stevie. The, the Pitbulls are pretty focused, fans strongly on their side, but Beulah says Stevie has a broken arm, somewhat kind of called into dispute with Joey Styles on the call, saying he saw Stevie earlier but they do manage to convince referee Jim Mullen to make it two out of three falls, just in case Raven takes a, an early pinfall with only having him himself defending the belts. Raven then gets pretty much chained to Pitbull 2 with a dog collar, but Pitbull 1 runs to the back, On the lookout for Stevie. Raven almost gets hung over the 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 top rope with a dog collar. But took his outside. Beats him down. Brings him back into the ring. But out comes Pitbull 1. He's got Stevie Richards who's got the collar on already. And already has blood all over his face thanks to Pitbull. Back in the ring. Raven pile drives Pitbull 2 through the table for the first fall. And it's 1-0 to the champions. Pin 2. They get a double DDT from Raven and Steve Richards to the Pitbull 1 Stevie hits one of his super kicks for a near fall 2 brings in another table And then sets up a super bomb for Stevie Which he manages to deliver Stevie through the table And we're tied at one all. Stevie bleeding all over the place But does manage to nail Pitbull 2 with a chair in the crowd Pitbull 2 and Raven battle into the ring As a third table comes into play Raven drags Pitbull 2 into Jim Molyneux and with the referee bump the Dudleys from the ring as Bob said earlier on in the results we then kind of pretty much ensue into bedlam with Dudley and dances with Dudley coming out to the kind of work over the Pitbulls. They then set up 1 and 2 respectively in the corners and both Stevie and Raven nail super bombs to both Pitbulls 1 and 2 but the Pitbulls Channer, they're in a road warriors, bounce back up and nail both Dudleys and the champions with double Double DDTs, or D DDTs. Um Dudley takes a super bomb, dances with Dudley takes a super bomb, and the Bulls regain command. Raven gets pinned for a, a two and three quarters, when Jim Mono gets back up. we got a loud pit bull chant. One manages Stevie, but kind of struggles on the outside with Raven. Stevie goes up to the top, gets crotched, we then get a suplex through the table, but an unchained Raven breaks the count. He's managed to take the, the chain off. And he gets Pitbull 2 in the outside. Set up on not one, but two tables. Raven splashes him through the first. Elbows at the second. And Pitbull 2 is just out of commission at this point. We get the medics coming out with a stretcher for Pitbull 2. Francine, Stevie's ex-girlfriend, then runs out. Gets into a cat fight with Bueller. But Raven then DD Teaser. her. We then get white meat baby face, Tommy Dreamer coming in. He chains himself to Raven and looks to be a pit bull for the night. There's a low blow and a DDT and Tommy then gets his long awaited pin on Raven and Bob Ortiz announces the pit bulls as the new tag team champions. But post-match we get Bill Alfonso coming out, he takes the mic, he tells Tommy to stop dreaming, he authorised the 283 falls, he didn't need to, he authorised the dog collars, he didn't need to. But allowing an in-match substitute with Tommy. Just a step too far. Pinball struck from the record. matches is thrown out. And we get recommissioned Commissioner Todd Gordon coming out. He shoves Fonzie. Starts the match again. We then get Big Dick Dudley. Just to continue the bedlam. He comes out. Choke slams Tommy. And as we said in the news, Bill Alfonso has already banned the choke slam, but he's a force to allow it for the night because Big Dick's already broken that rule. And as soon as it's announced that it's acceptable for one night only, out comes nine one one. Wraps his hand round the neck of Fonzie, The crowd just explodes when nine one one finally manages to get the choke slam on his his number one target. Tommy Dreamer, Pitbull 1 in nine one one. stand Tall as a crowd chance E C W but the fans seem to forget the match had restarted. It comes a groggy Pitbull 2, gets back out, gets up to the turnbuckle, nails both Raven and Stevie Richards in a super duper bomb, and we now officially have new tag team champions, the Hounds of Hell. The Pitbulls, Bob, what do you make of this?
2: Well, where to begin with this? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the atmosphere for this match was phenomenal yep. i mean the crowd were was so invested um it really added a few layers to the match i mean there's a there's a few things i could you know a few things that i, I might question about everything um raven found an incredible burst of energy in the first third of the match that didn't really seem to make sense um we got a ref bump, which we didn't really need. Uh, I suppose we well we probably did I suppose with um it allowed Bill Alfonso to come out and all of that. and so I'll maybe let them off that. Um we got the pit bulls, no selling the super bombs. Uh, um Raven again kicking out what he really shouldn't have done. And then the bit with the Ether with uh joey Styles has got some incredible nostrils to pick up on that smell god in the i think i
0: even missed out such was the bedlam in this I missed yeah it. this kind of rag soaked with ether to choked them out yeah
2: yeah and um yeah joey Styles, who you know in in kayfabe at least is in the bird's nest you know behind the camera or next to the camera about three seconds later he goes that's ether i'm like bloody hell this this is Bobby a
0: potent here. bottle
2: bobby bobby hate was bollocks that um but no i mean you know for all the faults the atmosphere was fantastic the action was really good um and yeah you know uh, and we also got the other thing where i quite like that despite the fact bill alfonso is a dick and there was a great moment with with him finally getting choked stand at the end the one thing they've done really well with alfonso is that you really hate him but at the end of the day he ultimately by he's always was.
0: got a point, hasn't
2: he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tommy Dreamer wasn't in the match. It was a, it was an unpopular decision, but Bill Alfonso, while he's correct, will still have, will still have leverage. And I, 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 I thought it was excellent all, all told.
0: Yep. Chris, do you agree?
2: It's the
1: best two out of three falls match that I've seen since AAA last year. Yep. Which, you know, that was that was the best tri- uh, two out of three falls match I've ever seen. Where this was great. You had Raven making the mistake of giving, going to three falls by getting the first fall really quickly. You had obviously the second fall going fairly quickly to him and, and evening it up. The, the fact they went after Stevie and went and found him and he came out in a bloody mess was amazing. There was no selling like the Road Warriors in their prime in the 80s. It had everything, and then you had the clusterfuck in the middle, (laughs) which just worked so well. The fact that there was absolute chaos, you had the Dudleys out there, you had 911, Tommy, Fonzie, everything worked around this story of this match.
2: The, the most but- chaotic scene I think I've seen since the, the Rumble 94, where Yokozuna has about a dozen guys helping you beat Undertaker it's that mm. level, is, as you say, bedlam is probably the best word.
0: Well I mean I, I don't think you can really sum it up better than you Bob when you're mentioning that ether-soaked rag that I had forgot about the match the, there was so much, I mean you cat fights in the middle, at like ref bumps stretcher jobs it, it, it should have been, a, as Chris says it should have been a cluster
2: it was. But it, it I mean, it was. <laughs> like, you know, like, it, it, it was really fun to watch, but it was a clusterfuck. Let's not, let's, you know, let's not overlook that.
0: But I mean, bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors and Dudley's and cat fights and ether and it was brilliant. <laughs> it was, it's not really? something you could get away with every month or even every year, but it It just, it just worked brilliant. And as I say, this is us going kind of start in the second half of the show and it, it That's
1: just worked. The, the atmosphere was like a Roman gladiatorial em- empathy, yeah. out- waiting, bowing for blood. And I mean, the crowd knew that it was going to sort of only get better from this point out as well.
0: Well, that's that. And I mean, can I, going on for that, how can you follow that? Well, it's ECW, they know what they're doing. We're putting a card, at least in the second half, if I'll be told. We've then got the debuts, much hyped on hardcore TV the week before. Dre Mysterio Jr and he's going up against psychosis and kind of a, a bit unsettled, maybe kind of last year, as we heard last month for, for Dean Malenko, a lot of these debutants coming in, maybe not knowing what to expect with Philadelphia and ECW, when you hear the the jungle drums, especially for a, a tape trading community, or a, a torture and observer readers, they don't quite know what to expect when they're coming in here, but very, very warm reception for the, for the both of these guys at the start, we get quite a slow pace to start for Sikosis as he's really kind of making that, that size and power advantage count, but Mysterio Jr. picks up the pace, amazing counters for a hammer lock into a snapmare. Styles then apologises for his lack of speed and calling the spots, I think it's only fair I do the same because that was kind of 100 mile an hour stuff at times. Sikosis takes stop on the outside, playing up to the, the Rudo aspect of his character or a Mexican heel. He gets back into the ring, tries to drive Ray into the turnbuckle, succeeds, and then drills knees into the the back and the little man's down. In a beautiful style calls it a frisbee slam for Sycosis. I'll give him it because I don't know what I would call it. But he laps up the heel heat for the crowd. Mysterio there, then hits and It was actually perfect. Hurricaner and an fall for a pen attempt. There's a hard chop for psychosis. Mysterio gives it back, kick to the apron by psychosis, but Ray Monkey monkey flips him to the concrete from the apron. Back in the ring, Mysterio misses a corner splash, then gets a spine buster for psychosis before going up top in psychosis. That's a seed sent on for a two. There's a power bomb for another. The Ruddle then bumps his gums at John Finnegan's count speed. Sycosis goes for a suicide, die, a suicide dive to the outside, but Mysterio blocks it with a chair. then got a spinning moonsault from Psychosis. A nice dig for for Joey Styles, telling fans if they can, help him out a little bit, call up the hardcore hotline and tell him the name of some of these moves. But Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff, maybe not bother, that is what a manoeuvre won't cover it. So Cicosis jumps the guardrail, tries to get away from Mysterio. Mysterio fakes a, a suicide dive, does a lovely bit of acrobatics through the middle ring ropes, and then hits a springboard plancha from the top rope, over the outside, over the guardrail, and lands perfectly on Sokosis. The fans just explode at this point. We get back into the ring. There are top rope Frankensteiner from Ray. He gets the pin brilliant match for me Lacey I'm going to start with you because we did AAA last year with some standouts for that Benoit we've seen in the ECW Eddie Guerrero we've seen in, in ECW Art, um, Art Barr, sadly is no longer with us but Christ
2: Art Donovan
0: what I was been... going to say Art Donovan maybe it can have been a fair trade between Art Donovan and Art Barr if we still had the, the American love machine with us God love him but I think next year down we definitely had standouts with Rey Mysterio Jr. and Sycosis, Chris. It was just brilliant to see this on an American stage for me.
1: Yeah, we said at the time i watching Triple A that these two were both the youngest guys on the show and had massive amounts of ability and we were looking, sort of going, I, we both said that we could see something definitely happening with these two Yeah, and it finally happening is great and it not being in that form where it was, where it was a six-man tag, and it was lots of moving parts. So to see these two dance with each other, because yeah. that, that's what this was. This was Which age, yeah. lucha dance at its, its best. You know, there was counters and counter counters and reversals to things that shouldn't be getting reversed. And even there was a hardcore element. There was a chair shot in there, just mm-hmm. to cheer up the... The hardcore fans and I'm I'm massively happy that this is here and we're going to get to see it whether that'll work with some of the other guys in there if they have to go you know I can't see Rey and Sandman working mm. well but if they're going to bring other luchadors in as well
2: I'd be keen to see them it. try
1: it would be different it'd definitely be different to see you know Sandman and say Rey Mysterio try and put something together but you know I'm happy to see that the Lucha style is finally in the States
0: I think the most thing I'd be worried about is that as you know Sandman would just be backstage with a six pack just telling him yep yeah, yep yeah, that's fine yep yeah, yep yeah, that's fine 30 seconds into the match he'd C be spanish up. yeah, yeah would, see 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 And he, you know, he'd just be kind of gassed within 30 seconds, but as you say, boys, I mean, it was just, I mean, the the kind of worries that we've got with maybe psychosis and Mysterio junior weren't with anybody else. I mean, the last rivalry we've seen that these two are, as Bob said earlier on, pretty much replacing as Malenko and Guerrero. And we got a good half a dozen classics out of them and the, the house show circuit and kind of doing the the live events that ECW is renowned for and then Hardcore TV as well. If we can see another few of these, I certainly wouldn't be against it. But kind of going for that kind of a bedlam of the tag title match, on to kinda of and an American stage with these two then got another out of nowhere where we've got some technical issues backstage as Joey Styles is trying to cut can, back. Can to I that. comment
2: on that much now?
0: Oh sorry Bob, That I know I'll have you, no. you let you get your say on
2: no, your No you didn't. No you didn't. Um Ray Mysterio is fucking phenomenal. I mean, that, that, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from psychosis, but my word, I'm never gonna see a Hurricane Rana as good as that again.
0: It was, it was literally perfect, there's no other word you could describe it.
2: A lot of Hurricane kinda like, tail off towards the end, like Mysterio's got quicker. And I hit it, like, bridged it all kind of, you know, cinched up into the pin. I went, fucking hell, that was good. (laughs) And then we've got, you know, we saw this with Mike Whitrack. I think it was last year. We've got the great kind of geography of how the the ECW arena comes together. So when they've got kind of the wide-angle shot um, and you've got the guy diving from the top rope over the guardrail into the crowd, there's this kind of very 2D shot And because the lighting's not very good, like Mysterio does a somersault plancher, and he kind of disappears halfway through and then just kind of disappears into a sea of fans as he kind of lands on psychosis. That was fantastic. This was excellent um, in terms of... You know, Chris says maybe, they. how will it work with others? I, I, I suspect they won't, is the long story short. I mean, I, I don't know there's anyone on on the roster that could, could run with these guys at the moment, even close.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, it was a bit of a Freudian slip in the middle, Bob, as you pulled me up for mentioning Art Donovan. But talking about Art Donovan last year at King of the Ring in WWF, we saw Roddy Piper fight for the WWF title. He was 40-year-old at that point. These two guys aren't 40 between them. I well, think
2: and another reference on Art Donovan. Like a lot of really kudos to Joey Styles for for giving it giving it a good go. I mean, you know, he he was out of his depth in the same way that you know Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon are out of their depth. But I think we can give Styles a pass on on, yep. on, on what happened here. And, and he he tried his best. Um uh, I don't know that there are many U.S. speaking commentators that could have done as good a job as he could.
0: Exactly, and I mean, it was just, it it all just came together brilliantly, and as I say, it was it's something that if we're going to be seeing in the next few weeks and months, I'm more than happy to do it, and dare I say, I think it's, I think the last time we kind of had this kind of almost talent now for ECW, Bob, you might be able to uh, refresh my memory, but I think it was Terry Funk that pulled it a couple of months ago, and you know, where we got Rick Steiner coming in for his debut in ECW at very, I think it was Sabu, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it wasn't it was the very, full Sabu Funk in was, Japan? Funk was Sabu. the whole thing with Mikey Whitrack and Mick Foley teaming up about you. Nah, that was, day.
0: that was last year and then this year it was Sabu and kind of double booking his cell in New Japan and then they pulled that Rick Steiner out of the back pocket. Now we've lost Guerrero and Malenko last month, but Paul he's done it again. He's just kind of phoned into Conan and Triple A, so I need a couple of guys up come probably two of the brightest young stars in the world at this point and as you say just getting them on American stage just makes it all the all the better but as we were alluding to before I rudely cut off Mr bamba. kind of technical issues backstage Joey Styles is trying to kind of get a camera to cut to a, a dispute in the locker room surprisingly enough with a public enemy and the gangsters two failed attempts with cameras getting cut off by the brawl and the the locker room Joey decides to get there with his own cameraman try and capture the action Johnny and Rock will get kind of hustled outside at the back entrance and we just turn 90 degrees and we see none other than the former stunning Steve Austin he's just got an amazing take on Hulkamania he just kind of shows his comedy chops Austin a great rap on, on Hogan dressed in the yellow and red he's complete with the the weight belt he's got the impression brother Austin then just turns at a total 180, he says he hasn't going to do this shit anymore, Rips the tee shirt, throws the bandana to the floor, and just epic stuff. He's probably one of the most underused workers in the the game. I mean, we I think the last time I remember seeing Steve Austin, he lost the hacksaw dogging in 30 seconds. So I mean, I think anything that we see with we see with him in ECW is certainly going to be be a bit more impressive than what we've seen the last time, but Not without further ado, we will move on to the main event. We'll come back to Steve Austin later in the later in the show just to see what we think we're going to see from him in ECW in the in the next short while. So main event, it is the Gangsters Paradise match itself. It's basically a steel cage tornado tag match with weapons, and it's going to be the public enemy and Mikey Whipwreck, and they're going up against the Sandman, Tukold Scorpio and New Jack. So as Bob had said in the the news, very true to character. We've got a little scuffle with a Philly five O and Mustafa side. New Jack does comment on it, as only New Jack can, but first out we've got the public enemy. They're coming out with Mikey, who's almost unrecognisable and he's he's hoodie get up. He goes to he goes to hug, ring around Sir Bob Ortiz, and manages to steal his wallet and his watch. Palm's Zem off to Johnny and Rocco in the three pose for ringside photos. We then get Metallica coming on. Out comes the champion, who with women looks absolutely amazing, may I say. Um, Scorpio and New Jack follow behind. As I say, we don't have Mustafa Saeed as he's had that run in. But Sandman sits atop the cage where I can. Joey Styles, God love him, tries to get him a sponsorship deal on the call. And we get a uh, a call out from Mustafa's Miss, um, Miss tag team partner, New Jack, as I said, he talks about having to come to this quote unquote motherfucking rat trap to fight these quote unquote pussy motherfuckers. Welcome to the danger zone. Uh, Rocco then tells Jim Molino to keep his eye on that raggedy asshole woman. And after a, a good four or five minutes of kind of stalling at the start, we get a ring bell, but it does genuinely add to what feels like a a really big fight feel to this main event we've got New Jack and Johnny brawling on the outside Rocco goes for the Sandman and Scorpio takes Mikey we've got women trying to poke the the cane through the cage it's kind of like a mesh fencing cage this one kind of looks a lot better than the, the WWF's blue cage it's kind of more like a war game style a, a cage for this one Johnny and New Jack get outside the cage Chair shots from ringside of both of them bleed. Mikey and Sandman then quite worryingly get to the top of the cage, start fighting, and Mikey gets the, the biggest shots in. Sandman then hanging upside down for the the top of the cage into the inside of the ring. Johnny lays at New Jack up at the eagle's nest, drops an elbow to the concrete, which New Jack then no-sells because he's New Jack. Back suplexes Johnny onto the same concrete, and then goes up to the, the eagle's nest and repays the elbow. New Jack then misses a headbutt from the eagle's nest to the concrete. God, it's just New Jack. And back in the ring, we get Rocco bringing in a table and gets a two count on Too Cold. Scorpio then rakes the face of Johnny um, uh, Rocco Rock on the cage. Sandman gets a, a one count on Mikey. Johnny then wraps back outside the ring and the, the crowd up at the. Almost just at the curtain and then wraps an electrical wire Round New Jack's throat Two of these really not holding back And back in the cage we've got Sandman superplexing A table onto both Mikey and Rocco Scorpio super kicking Johnny Who gets back inside before New Jack A third table then finds itself into the cage Rocco works Sandman and New Jack with a frying pan The enemy then set up one table Set up a second on top of it And the Sandman and New Jack get thrown out of the cage door in the public enemy. Add a third table to the pile. Scorpio gets taken up. He stands in the top of the cage. Rocco joins him. The two of them try to outpower each other, but they pretty much tussle top cage. Crash and burn through all three tables in a pretty... Pretty visually impressive spot. Um, Johnny gets a a two, um, covers two cold. Sandman breaks it up with a table debris. The enemy go to double, suplex Sandman for another two. Mikey climbs the cage, but Sandman follows him, looks for a powerbomb, but Mikey gets a Frank Mikey, top of the cage for a two count. Johnny, Rocco, Scorpio and New Jack are all brawling in the aisle, leaving just the champion and the challenger alone. Mikey goes back up, channels his inner Jimmy Snooker, and Splashy Sandman from the top of the cage for the three count. Boys, what did we make of, make of this match for the main event? Starting off with yourself, Bob.
2: This was really good. Um, You know, again, in terms of where the atmosphere can really help deliver as part yep. of the match, and, uh, and that certainly did from the crowd. I mean, you know, your, your, your description of the match was very good in that it probably... It was there was chaos really throughout, which is kind of what you'd Very expect awful. from this six. Um but I really like what they did with Mikey Whitret kind of, you know, having him be accepted by the public enemy as well as kind of having him dress up like that. Um, I thought was really good. Um, the triple table spot was as as brutal and as dangerous as it looks and I thought I kind of found it quite interesting that early on all the guys seemed to be a little bit wary about standing on the cage and then mm. towards the end they just went oh screw it um but yeah a, a, an excellent finish as well like a really good visual as you say they, they kind of cleared off the two tag teams and just left Mikey with Sandman um and a really good visual again benefiting from the wide angle shot from the eagle's nest of Mikey kind of playing his hands wide and then doing the splash um um, excellent stuff.
0: Chris, what about yourself? How was this for a crescendo to your live event?
1: It was everything that you want from ECW. There was massive spots that just baffled the mind on why <laughs> people are thinking, that's a good idea, let's do that. The, the triple table spot being that, and uh, New Jack diving and missing onto the concrete
0: a headbutt nonetheless (laughs) i
1: know it's not it's not big or clever and i can't imagine him doing too many of them um the moonsault leg sweep was great that was in uh mikey i now have a feeling that you know he he is the number one contender and we need to be seeing him more often and i can see a title run in his future
0: um, he, well, did uh, I say just at the end of the the March report, just before I can come back to you, Chris? We did have the the very very ominous sounding words of uh, Johnny Johnny Grunge, and it was too Mikey of Hey Champ, and it can I send a shiver up my spine? You might be, you may not be too wrong there, Chris. I don't think.
1: Well, you know, he he deserves it? He's been sort of improving every time we see him, and this in this match he was great um, the only thing that I did have was at one point when everyone was going their different ways it was a little bit hard to follow but then that's what happens whenever you have six guys in a ring or in a match that aren't all in the ring at the same time and mm. wandering off it can get a bit hard to make sure you're seeing what's going on everywhere but you can't say it's bad when you see some of the stuff that they do
0: Exactly, and I mean, just just on that note, Chris, thoughts on the overall show, and please, if you could, a score rating out of 10.
1: As we said at the beginning, it is a definite sort of tale of two sides. You know, the beginning bit, not so great. The second bit, awesome. Um, definitely go out your way and watch the, the last three matches. Um, you need them in your life. And for that, for the last three matches on
2: the road, I've given it a seven.
0: Thank you very much. Class Bobby Bamba, thoughts in the show, and I'd rate it out ten if you please.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we buzzed open the, over the opening four matches, but I think it's, you know, we, we, we will review a lot of shows, you know, across the board where, you know, the early card is, drags the show down. This, this didn't do that. You, you know, if an undercard can be anything, be like this. When you've got those three kind of main events, if you like, the undercard needs to be as forgettable as it is insignificant as what I delivered. The undercard was bad. It was just forgettable. It was fine. Um, and three excellent matches in very different ways. I gave it eight and a half out. Eight and a half out of ten.
0: Thank you very much. I do agree with you, boys. I mean, it's as you say, Bob. That that first four matches, we see a lot of shows where the main event's good. A couple of decent matches in the middle, but the undercard is so bad it it, it kind of detracts for the overall picture. last not The three the three matches at the end of this were amazing, as you say, for different reasons. It's beautiful to see Mysterio Jr. and Secosis up kind of north of the border. The the tag match for the titles was just an absolute cluster, but just worked perfectly. And that main event was brilliant as well, and I think we, we certainly couldn't be given it under a 7. I would probably go with 7.5 myself, but as Chris says, if you do get the opportunity to pick up a, a tape on this, definitely check out those last three matches. Tag titles, Lucha match in the middle, sandwich between the main event and that, that Gangsters Paradise. So overall I would go with 7.5 out of 10. So last couple of wrap ups for Hardcore TV for the month. We start off with Cactus Jack and arguably his best promo of the month. He's talking to Tommy Dreamer, telling him about the sacrifice of bearing the cross for the ECW fans, is that just simply not worth it. He recalls his match with Terry Funk at the start of the year, where he gets sliced and diced. But the pain in that match was very, very quickly taken away when he saw a sign in the crowd that stated Kane Dewey, Foley's three year old little boy. And Joey Styles talks about Big Dick Dudley's knee after an apparent truck crash. Big Dick now has ten pins, thirty-seven staples, and a hundred stitches. We then get Tommy Dreamer's kind of first words in response to Cactus. Very somber Dreamer sitting backstage, where he kind of tells Cactus about he's just lying to the fans. It was hardcore that gave him the life that he has. Hardcore. It's more about chairs and weapons and blood. It's about giving you all an ECW chance from the fans are a thank you. Tommy himself Rocco Rock, Taz, Johnny Grunge, Mikey, they might not be on Megabucks but they should be, and Cactus he might not be able to change your mind, but Tommy will die trying if he has to have got a quick vignette, placing the pieces of the, the Cactus Tommy Raven jigsaw together for the last few months We then get a bit of a closer look at D.W. Dudley, dances with Dudley talking in his native tongue Finish off September 19th with a full replay of the double dog collar match at Geister's Paradise that we've just reviewed where the Pitbulls won the tag belts. And without further ado, Cactus Jack.
3: More than anyone else in that ECW dressing room, Tommy Dreamer, maybe more than anybody else in the wrestling industry, you are willing to pay the price to sweat, to bleed, To suffer, you're willing to bear that cross. And I say, Tommy, don't do it! Because you see, in order to sacrifice and bear that cross for them, it means I've got to suffer too. And I'm telling you from the voice of experience that they're not worth it, Tommy. They're not worth it! You see, you've got the choice. Not me! I made my bed of nails, and now I've got no other choice but to be power-bombed on it. But you see, Tommy, the world is smiling at you. The wrestling business is smiling at you. And don't you frown back on it! I'm going to take you back to a very deciding point in my life. A time when I believed in something. Something. A time when I thought that my face and my name meant a difference. Do you remember the night, Tommy Dreamer? Because it's embedded in my skull. It's embedded in my heart. And it's embedded in every nightmare that I will ever have again. As Terry Funk took a bottle and began slicing and dicing Cactus Jack the pain was so much, Tommy, that I'll be honest with you, I wanted to say, I quit Terry Funk, I give. I waved the flag and I'm a coward. Please don't cut me anymore. When I saw my saving grace, you see, Tommy, I looked out into that audience, my adoring crowd, and I saw two simple words that changed my life. Kane Dewey. Somebody had taken the time and the effort and the thought to make a sign that said Cain Dewey. And I saw other people around as every moment in my life stopped and focused in on that sign. And the pain that shot through my bigotti became a distant memory. Replaced by the pain that will be embedded in my skull to my dying day! Kane Dewey. Kane Dewey. Dewey Foley is a three year old boy. You sick sons of bitches! You ripped out my heart! You took everything I believed in and you flushed it down the damn toilet! You flushed my heart. You flushed my soul. And now it sickens me to sit back and see other people making the same mistake. You see, Tommy Driver, I gotta listen to my little boy. Every day of my life say, Daddy, I miss Atlanta and I say it's too bad, son, because your dad traded in the Victorian house for a sweat box in Long Island. You're dead! Trading in a hundred thousand dollar contract guaranteed money insurance respect and the name on the dotted line of the greatest man in the world to work for a scumbag who operates out of a little pissant. Pawn shop in Philadelphia. You don't expect me to be bitter. Tommy, when you open up your heart, when you open up your soul, and it gets shit on, it tends to make Jack a very mean boy. And so I'm saying to you, before I take these aggressions out on you, to look at your future and realize that the hardcore life is a lie that these letters behind me are a blatant lie that those fans who sit there and say he's hardcore he's hardcore he's hardcore wouldn't piss on you if you were on fire you selfish son of a bitch But I want you to understand, Tommy And though he's hurt you time and time again Deep in his heart Raven wants you to understand That the hatred I have In here is not for you No, no, far removed You see, Tommy I'm not doing this because I hate you I love you, man. I only want the best for you, but when I hear that WCW called up your number and you say no, thank you, well, it makes my blood run cold. As cold as that night in the ECW Arena. And so I have got a moral obligation. You see, Tommy, I'm on the path of righteousness. And righteous men wield a lot of power. So if I've got to drag you by your face to that telephone call and dial collect and say, Hello, Eric, it's me, Cactus, and though I know I've burnt my bridge and I'll never be taken back with open arms, I've got a wrestler here who will gladly trade in his ECW shirt for a pair of green suspenders. And Tommy, just think of that sound in your ear when Uncle Eric says, Welcome home, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Welcome home.
0: <laughs> I love being right. And last TV the month, September 26th, we pick up where we left last week with the afters of last week's double door collar match with, with and Stevie and the Pit Bulls with just a fool and utter bedlam showing for what it was. We then cut back to the Pitbulls who then managed to brag that they've got the championship belts from Raven and Stevie, but they've also took Francine. Joey Styles announces the rematch for this next month, and it's going to be Stevie and Raven going up against the new champions of Pitbulls for the titles, and it'll be both referee Bill Alfonso and Todd Gordon referee in a lumberjack match next month. And it will be the Lumberjacks nine one one, and the recently injured Big Dick Dudley. We then get a promo from a morbid raven and an almost teary Stevie Richards. And we get another rematch between JT Smith and Hack Myers. JT Lock's bad clock just continues as ever showing that. That table, um, table spot at the end for the count out one at Gangster's Paradise and we get Scorpio mocking Taz as he's got the TV title and he says Taz's ass is grass and it's going to get smoked. Last up we just get a full replay of Rey Mysterio Jr. and psychosis from Gangster's Paradise and the Sandman talks backstage about how losing to Mikey even in an on title match left him embarrassed and Woman says Mikey will never be the man that he could be or the man that she could me. we've
3: got people going on. We've got, we've got a fight going on. Nothing. Steve Austin. You know, that's where you're wrong, with me, Joy, because Steve Austin doesn't have what it takes to get it done in the ECW, brother. I was never allowed to reach past mid-court status in the WCW, brother. So you know what, dude? I looked at the greatest heavyweight in of all time, brother, and I knew that I had to save my breath. I had to take the vitamins. Brother, I had to start training him. I had to get my mind right to do what it takes to get it done in the ECW, dude. Now, let me I've been saying, saying my, oh, Steve Omania! Oh, bro. I'm Mr. Game Omania, Let me tell you something, dude. Steve's just here. Steve Omania threw a run wild on the ECW, brother. Steve, Steve Omania. I've taken the vitamins. I've saved my Chris. I'm, oh I'm not going to do this. Anywhere. Not even in ECW Because there's no way this layman is gonna get the job done anywhere. Anywhere.
0: Now, gentlemen, we've had some incredibly impressive wrestling this month, whether it's Lucha, whether it's hardcore, whether it's title matches gangsta's to this paradise. But one of the standouts has got to be this. The Steve Austin story. We just heard Austin there. He's taken Hulkamania, or Stevie Mania. It it just totally took me for left field, Bob. I know you're an avid torch and observer reader. Did you have any idea about this coming? And what do you make of Austin and ECW? Where do you see them take them
2: Um, well, I guess it defines. Depends how you define having an idea, and knowing something that's coming. I mean, there were talks earlier this year that guys like Austin and um. And Pellman and guys like that that were on kind of quite big contracts were in danger of being taken off because the company were looking to cut costs. Now that was a few months back. Mm. Um, and obviously what's happened since then with, you know, the, the announcement of the debut of Nitro and the signings, likes of Benoit, you know, Guerrero, Milenko, guys like that. Um admittedly on much smaller contracts, ninety days, hundred and twenty days, not these big significant deals, the guys like Austin and Pillman signed. Um but you know, in, in terms of what happened, I think it I don't want to say it makes a lot of sense, but it was clear that Austin was on quite a big paycheck and they didn't see him in that realm, and so that's kind of you know how, how contracts come to an end. If if uh, if a company feels you're worth less than what you're being paid, then that's kind of how these things can end. Um, Austin turned up Pretty sharpish. I mean, apparently he was mm. released on the fifteenth of September, and this this show was the next day, I think.
0: Sixteenth, yeah.
2: yeah. um And so we're you not. Know, I, I presume you knew it was coming. You know, a release can can proceed. You know, a week or two's notice, you know, that kind of thing. Um, in terms of what it was, I thought it was it was interesting. I wouldn't say I was blown away by it in the sense that uh, I I don't know. It, I know where Austin's coming from and it's the kind of audience that we receptive to the kind of anti-Hogan thing but from what I know of him I don't know that parodying Hogan is is the kind of best angle for him um, that being said, what he did was pretty good. You know, I, uh, as much as the kind of the, 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 the yellow vest with Steve Amania written on it in black marker looked quite amateurish. <laughs> when he turned around and walks off, he had the full yellow belt and red yeah, trousers. Yeah, the Steve Amania
0: weight belt, yeah. And,
2: uh, and, and that looks certainly a lot more impressive. I actually thought the best moment of the entire segment was Austin's rattling through and the carriage just pans out and Johnny Grunge walks up and goes, it's Steve Amania! It's Steve Austin! Yeah. Like that. I thought that was probably the best part of it. Um, but yeah, no, um, I like I like how they debuted him. Aussie, I presume, has got a lot of control over what he's going to be doing with them. So you know, I don't know whether I'd have been doing the Hogan impression first up, but I guess it fits the the story he's probably going to try and tell, which is of the the hard worker who was held back by Hulk Hogan in WCW, which is completely true. So I, I guess if this is a lead on or something more important, then fair enough.
0: Very very well said, Chris. I mean, I know looking back at uh, Austin and WCW. I mean, he, he's never really had dare I say that kind of big that big push for of a better term. I mean, we've kind of seen in the early nineties he was sitting with a mid card title. We've seen in the mid nineties he was sitting with a mid card title. There was never really any kind of big development with. Him. I mean, I mean he showed flashes of this kind of almost comedy style he's got. I mean, I think the the one I had, can I remember most was his run against Dragon. When he was going up against Steamboat for, I think it was the US title at the time before he lost it to Duggan. And it was like, kind of, you'd see him in the match with Ricky Steamboat's kind of almost out cold and he's waving the, he's waving Steamboat's hand to the camera and kind of talking to the the audience at home. I mean, I think he's got that side to him, but where do you, where do you see Steve Austin going with that kind of getting rid of the shackles of the stunning gimmick and the, the kind of valleys and the the shimmery, the shimmery kind of, Gowns coming up to the ring. What do, what do you see, Austin Jenka, as this comedy side, or do you think there is going to be something more long-term with us?
1: The thing with Austin was in WCW, for a long time now, he's been bouncing all over the place with lots of little Mini sort of changes here and there.
0: Mm. You know,
1: he went from obviously st- with Heyman back when he was in the Dangerous Alliance. You had him with, uh, Pillman in the tag team as Hollywood Blondes. You know, he's been put with random people here and there. At one point, he was with Colonel Parker. You know, he's one never- point he was been- with
2: Harley Race quite briefly as well. Br- yeah. Briefly, sorry.
1: He's never been doing one thing for a set period. So we've never had a true representation of what he is and what he can be. I'm thinking here in ECW with no restrictions on what he wants to do, because obviously as we've seen with everyone else, you bring yourself to the party and you know, you're allowed to flourish and do as you see fit with your character And the best bits of that person and what comes out. Pushing Steve. Either as if he wants to do comedy. He can do that. If he wants to be deadpan and super serious. I can see him doing that just as well. Um, I don't know how much there is on this injury that I heard that was one of the reasons that they I think let go he's got four
2: weeks I, I think well, 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 at the time the report came out uh, they said six so we had on two for between then and when we're recording now I think it's another month and a bit
1: on what they're going to do with him for that and how much in ring he's going to be you know seeing him in his stuff with the dragon I wouldn't want to see him coming in swinging chairs and being the hardcore guy but he could quite easily be the wrestling in ECW.
0: Hmm. I mean, I think you, you bring up a good point there with this dangerous alliance situation back at the, at the turn of the decade, Chris. I mean, I think, as Bob alluded to, it was very quick turnaround for this kind of contract termination up to the, the turning up in Philadelphia. I mean, you're talking a 24-hour turnaround, which... He'd have you know, had more notice that... than
2: that. I mean, uh, he, I, I doubt he picked up the phone... Well, that's true. Happens. I got, mean, got, I
0: don't think sure he's going to get... Yeah, I mean, it is a, a quick turnaround nonetheless, but, I mean, I think it, it does certainly show that I think Paul E might have the same faith now as he did back in the back in the kind of heady days when he was with WCW and that alliance when you had, like, the main event guys, like, you'd would you'd done Arn Anderson there, you'd uh, a Larry Zabisco, a Rick Rude, even a Bobby Eaton to an extent, but Austin was seen as the next guy where he could kind of come in and sit under that tree and sit in the, sit in the car going to town to town and kind of learn through these guys. I mean, I think he does, does definitely seem to still have that, that focus in him, but as you say, I think with, with Dean and, Dean and Eddie going last month and then it seems to be filled in with the, the Lucha guys coming up. We can't really see Austin in that kind of main event, kind of bloodbath situation. I mean, I think he is going to have quite a lot of stroke in what he's... What he's doing, it's just kind of trying to find that place. But I mean, and, it... and,
2: and the other thing we know is that Heenan loves him. I mean, that's the that, mm. that's one of the things. You know, there 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 are certain people who who, who think he's got it, uh, and Heenan's probably top of that list. Uh, there was the stories last year where Heenan was trying to get Austin on more than one occasion when ECW had these kind of deals going with WCW in terms of talent trades. One was one was by choice, and one was by by by. Well, there was
0: course. there was a story with Pillman when there was Pillman that ended up coming in as a yeah, that was the and r- Anderson. The season was arm come in pillman come in, but they wanted austin didn't they
2: well there, there was one in april where they had the deal over i think it was slamboree in in, in philadelphia in uh, in in may uh, wcw contacted ecw and said we want to advertise on your tv program in the local area and so they said fine send us some talent now heyman wanted i think austin and pillman uh in that instance and they ended up getting, I think it was Bobby in an Arn Anderson. Uh, mm. fast forward the clock, uh, six months and, uh, coming back to what we referenced earlier, the Wensworlds Collide show. Wensworlds Collide is a, eight ashes. Is, is a name that ECW used in the past. Um, I'm still not quite sure how that legally got that far anyway, but, but by the by, um, when, so as a part of the settlement, um uh, Heyman said, we'll have Austin and we'll have sensuous, Sister Sherry, whatever they were calling her at that point. Um, and basically Austin, quote unquote, got injured. Now, I think he did get injured, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of suspicion mm-hmm. in, uh, in ECW parts in terms of how legitimate that injury was. Austin didn't end up coming in and Pillman did. But long story short is that one, as, as Chris referenced, here uh, Heenan, Heyman is a big fan of Austin. He worked with him as part of the Dangerous Alliance and all of that. Um, and now he's actually got the chance to use him. I suspect they will get the title on him as soon as they can, I would think. Uh, Obviously, Austin's got injury issues, but if he can wrestle the Sandman, um, you know he doesn't have to be fully fit, depending on what his injury is. Um, You know, he could wrestle a, a weapons match if he wanted to. Um But I would think that depending on how long Austin's here, whether he goes to the WWF or he goes to Japan, both, both are, are very possible. Um I would think they'll try and get the title on him as quickly as they can, and maybe bridge it off him either back to An or, or to Michael Whitrick.
0: Well, dare I say, Bob, just kind of summing up on the, the Austin situation for where it might go in the next couple of months, you mentioned there about the WCW talent trade-off and Sherry Martell's involvement in that Sherry Martell came in and worked with Shane Douglas Shane Douglas is obviously now Dean Douglas and he's in New York Is it beyond the realms of possibility they may see Austin as a new Shane Douglas and maybe getting him on top of the Top of the card, he's got the kind of mechanical. I'd be
2: surprised or... if they've got the same number of dates on Austin as they had on Douglas. I mean, Douglas no, Douglas true. worked and lived in the area. That was why he was always available. This well, approach. very
0: true. Very um, true Austin, but... I
2: think, still lives in Texas. I would think, uh, depending on where he is now, depending on where he trains. Um, but yeah, I I don't know is the answer in short. I guess if 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 Heyman's willing to pay him, I guess he's going to come in. But Austin, I would think, once he's fit, might have aspirations of Japan, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know he's he's used to earning a fair chunk of money in WCW. Two hundred thousand dollars a year is not something to be sniffing at. Um, and if he's earning say a thousand dollars a shot with ECW, that's a lot less when you're working two or three nights a month. Um, so yeah, like the, the idea is sound, but I. I think in execution, I'm not sure it'll stand up.
0: And moving on from Steve Austin, Bob, I spoke about it last month with, with Tom Martin and Ciaran Mitchell. I mean, Cactus Jack, it's just, I, I, I literally don't have words to describe us. I mean, he's storytelling. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing for me this month was, last month we spoke about WCW and Kevin Sullivan and the full Dungeon of Doom situation where he said it's your own fault for not suspending your disbelief Cactus doesn't need you to do that, Cactus does it automatically because you just buy in emotionally to this man I mean we've heard three of the the promos this month there was doubts to start with over this heel turn what do you make of Cactus Jack for for the month of September really but just as as a year for this guy and the stories that he's been telling whether physically in Japan or ECW but most importantly, just these promos that he's been cutting this month. What's your thoughts on this man?
2: Um, he was a great promo as a face and he's about a five times better promo as a heel. Um, I, I've been blown away by those promos. I mean, I, I think my favorite one of the three was probably the first one where he was talking about, you know, the, the, the Japanese connection, his right. uncle Willie and all of that. Um, but they were all excellent and it's just like, Holy shit, this guy can talk. You know, in terms of, there's nobody close right now. I mean, Flair, Flair can rattle off a good promo when he's given the opportunity. Flair can get in this ballpark.
0: It was uh, a question I was going to ask about comparisons, but then I say it? it'd be a very short last.
2: But Shane Douglas wasn't cutting these level of the promos last year, as good as they were. Um, and nobody else is close. Like, Flair's the only guy who I think is capable, if, if he, if he had the, the motive, and the program to do it in. I catch Jack's just reading these off. You know, there's no interviewer, there's no audience, it's just him stood, or sat down in the case of the first promo, it's pyjamas. Um, there's just him, uh, stood in front of an ECW board just talking and it's it's phenomenal i mean people people who got this far on the show will have heard them all so i I don't really say much more um you know you'll have heard them you'll know how good they are and it's just the culmination i say the culmination it's not the end it's just the continuation of what he's been doing really (sighs) In December, there was that great promo in December with Tommy Dreamer, and I think yeah. month on month, I think every month, we've had a Cactus Jack promo plugged in, and like there, there was a temptation in mine just to open the show with 20 minutes of Cactus Jack promos. It didn't really make sense to do that, but we could have done. Um, I and, think um, probably
0: even an argument we don't even need to come on the mic this one, just put Cactus out there and just play them. You want to listen to ECW, listen to it.
2: Given the technical problems we had earlier in the show, we were <laughs> about <laughs> five or ten minutes away from doing just that. Um, but yeah, I, fantastic. I, 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 I can't I don't know how to praise it any better it's it's in a league of its own that nobody's close to this right now Flair Flair could be but he's not
0: Cressel is cactus jack
1: oh my who would have thought that he could do this time after time and get better with every single promo um, unlike Bob my favourite one for the month was the last one with Kane Dewey Kane Dewey
0: yeah
1: you know as a dad hearing, you know, someone go on about them here, seeing them want to beat their child, you know, what, what sort of a level of person is in that crowd that's shouting that to you? Why would you ever want to go there and do anything for them ever again? I could see why and where Cactus is going with this character change of, being anti hardcore and not wanting to sort of bail for the blood for these people. They, he doesn't need to do it. He doesn't shouldn't have to do it. And it's, it's being told so well. And it's, it's just him in a room. There's, there's no prompts. There's no nothing to feed off. It's just him monologuing. And it's just amazing. It, it's, it, If wrestling could be giving Oscars, he would get the Best Actor Oscar for just those monologues.
2: I don't think the sorry, I don't think the Kane do bit was particularly the best part of that promo. I the 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 part of the promo that made a lot more sense was the the time with Dreamer. Now, obviously, he's referencing Dreamer turning down WCW. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm guessing it was more than the the uh, the the PW Torch report we got a couple of months back. But the bit about the whole, you know. I love you, this is why I'm doing it. You know, I, I, I'm doing this to teach you that this is the wrong move. The story of that promo, I don't think it was the Kate Dewey part. I thought it was the whole bit of, you know, I was, I was there, I was getting that paycheck, um, and you know, I, I've since left, and you know, and it, it tied into his kid, but his kid was a setup for, for the bigger part of the promo. I, I mean, there's, th- these are all like, you know, we, we, we joke about the mini movies from 93. These are all mini stories. These promos have I been mean, there. They're ridiculous. Sorry to cut you off, Bill, but I did want
0: Not to. No, I I actually, I do agree with the both of these. I think it's a very, very interesting point that Lacey brings up with the fool. It might be because we have got kids, and it might be because they are run a bit the, the kind of same age as Dewey Foley. And I think it's kind of similar to the fool Bill Alfonso situation. The best villains tell the truth, but then it's how they embellish it. And I think that's when it comes on to your point, Bob, about tying it into Dreamer in the kind of wcw story and doing it because he loves him it's like you've got to plant the seed of truth and then what makes you the villain as opposed to the hero is where you build the where you build the branches outward for that i think he
2: mentioned green braces in that bit about wcw i thought wow that's a good Mm -hmm. line um but but yeah i i say that like it stood out it didn't in a way in that everything stood out
0: Ever, man. I mean, it's, I don't think there's really a better way to sum up the, the month than that, than just kind of re-listening to this show and those Cactus Jack promos. If you can check out the, the last three matches for that gangster's paradise. But as always, there's the, the kind of Dubai of where the, the new generation's going in New York. There's a full nitro situation in WCW, which Bob and the boys have already went and in on three hours on, but ECW just continues to be as consistent as anything in the, the country or dare I say the world and kind of looking back last month before we were losing Dean and Eddie, I think we maybe had our doubts leading into this month where they were going to take it, is it just going to be back to the Ian and Axel Rotten 60 minute matches we're just pumping blood at each other, we delivered it in ECW and thank you very much gentlemen for going on the, the journey with me, um, back out of 20 years ago mode. Bobby Bamber, it's your, it's your project, it's your podcast. Thank you very much for joining me as always.
2: Not a problem at all, Dad. Thank you very much.
0: And you are on Twitter, Bob? Yep.
2: Oh, I'm on Twitter at Bobby Bamber.
0: Perfect. And Chris Lacey, thanks again for rejoining the band with us.
2: I
1: love coming back for ECW. It's, it's, you know, it gives me a reason to rewatch it all. And I'm most happy for it.
0: Well, dare I say you picked a decent one. And Chris, you are on Twitter also, yes?
1: I am there personally at Lacy five 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 six six six,
0: and professionally.
1: Uh, you can follow me at Super Brawls, where we have just passed the year. We are now in the nineties. We have finished the eighties, and we are. We just recorded Wrestle War ninety, and our next show after that features Robocop.
2: I was going to say, Chris, uh, are we are we starting a nosedive now in WCW for a while?
1: Uh, no, we've, uh, 90 seems to sort of carry on from the goodness that, that was the back end of 89. I think there's still the
0: remnants of Crockett there, and there? It's going to be about 18 months or something before you start declining. Yeah.
1: It's about 91 where it, where it starts to take a bit of a dip.
0: So Halloween we... Havoc Chamber of Horrors aside, obviously, say that was a masterstroke.
1: <laughs> well, there is that, of course. El um,
0: Higonte was robbed.
1: But you know, when, when the, the main tagline for the next show is the fact that Robocop's there. <laughs> you know,
2: I, I, I've got the Yeti next month. I, I'm, I'm giddy with excitement. We've got Halloween Havoc going up. I'm, uh.
0: I think you'll find that's the Yeti, Bob.
2: The Yeti. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to following kind of Super Brawls from when it really starts to decline. Cause we kind of. Yeah, we we kind of catch it. I mean, there's a lot of bad, there's a lot of shit in WCW since we started this product. But we kind of catch it as it's starting to come out. But my perception with having seen Battle Ball 93 and some of the stuff prior is that we're into a proper kind of lean period in WCW in the early 90s.
1: Yeah, it is you get sort of a good sort of eight months of decentness and then it does start to tumbleweed down. But you know, you get to come and join us uh, when we get to Battle Bowl.
2: Super excited!
0: And there we go. There we oh, go I also Thank found you. out
2: today, looking ahead. There's another Battle Bowl in '96, not as a pay per view, oh, but as part of a pay per view. There's a Battle Bowl tournament. I think it's at Slam '96.
0: I hope that one doesn't scare you as much as '93 did, Bob.
2: Ah, uh, it can't be any worse. It cannot <laughs> be any worse. Um, at least mercifully, there are other matches on that show. Um, but yeah, go on, go on Dell. Del. We'll, we'll start. Well, with,
0: you're, temp- you're tempting fate there for a big decline in, kind of your ambitions there, Bob, but we'll, we'll see that when it comes. Um, as I say, thanks very much gentlemen for rejoining the band in Philadelphia. With us for Bobby Bamber and the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, I am Dell Muir, I am on Twitter at Del underscore Muir, and you can also check out the Wrestling 20 Years Ago website, it's wrestling20yrs.com. Give us a like on Facebook, give us a follow on Twitter do sign up to the newsletter. It will be once a month highlighting the best of blogs from the website and also the shows. Subscribe to the RSS feed and pick us up on iTunes if you can and give us five stars and a review. And for Bobby Bamber, the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, thank you to Chris Lacey, I am Del Muir, and until next time, goodbye.